All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 121 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger. We welcome in uh, Frank Saravalli, fresh off the uh, golf trip. Frankie, how was that? It was awesome. Yeah, me and my brother took my dad down to Pinehurst for a couple of days late last week. And his 60th birthday this week, so happy birthday to him. And... Uh, yeah, I only get to do that once. A really cool experience. How was Pinehurst? Amazing. Uh, it's like Disneyland for golf addicts. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. That's the, really the best way to describe it. Is like if you like golf, that's like pretty much all there is to do there. And there's at least fifteen courses in the area that are unbelievable. So, did you golf a different course every day? Yep. Yep. We did uh, Pinehurst four, Pinehurst eight, and then we went over to Dormy Club just up the road. And that was cool too. How many Pinehursts are there? There's uh, they're building the 10th. They have nine on property now and they're building a 10th, I think. Wow. And are they like, are, do they rotate from different like styles? Uh, yeah, they're all, uh, well, they're a lot of them are different. Uh, Pinehurst number two is sort of the signature that's the anchor site for the U S open. There's going to be five more U S opens there over the next 20 years. Um, and then they're all different length styles, you know, all that stuff, designers. So, hmm. all really right. cool. so did you play number two by chance? No, we, we didn't. Um, I'm, I'm not like an awesome golfer. I'm a 12, 13 handicap. And so my brother's really good. 
Um, my dad's just okay. And so it was like, you know what, let's make the round really enjoyable. Like don't tackle the hardest place. It just makes it also the rounds there are really long. Cause there's a lot of people that want to play it just because they want to say they played the U S open site that are no good. And the round oh. takes six hours cause they're looking for their ball or they're in the sand or what, and you have to walk too. So I love to walk when I golf. Uh, but there's some people that just, they can't hack it. Yeah. Wow. Um, the guy, like I, I saw the other day on Twitter, someone posted like five types of golfers. The person who looks for their golf ball too long to me, that's number one, the worst, like the worst. See, like, I'm going to quibble with that. The worst is the guy that stands over his ball for a while and has like a, a waggle that he does in his, in his setup and stance and then takes forever to hit the ball. That drives me way more crazy than someone looking for their ball. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure I've ever golfed with somebody that's, that's that slow off the tee or putting or anything. So it's more so you'll get somebody like, you know, they, they've, they've got a 99 cent ball and it's, and it's deep in the trees. You had no idea where it went and they're just searching around for five minutes. And I'm like, dude, what's, I don't get it. I try and play with a four caddy or, or a caddy whenever I can, just so they have eyes on it. That it's not just you that's looking for it. It speeds up the, it's worth the money to pay to speed up the round. Yeah. But how many courses are you playing at that offer a caddy? A lot. I mean, a, a lot really? in this area. Yeah. Like oh, okay. I, I don't have, I hardly ever play without walking. Sometimes yeah, I'll, I'll take a push card and walk myself, but. Oh yeah. hundred percent. So yeah, I, uh, I'm trying to, th- I don't think there's a course here that, well, maybe there's a few private courses off for a caddy, but that's about it. So that's more of a, obviously that's more of a Philly thing, right? That's just so you can carry your beer as you're walking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you need one hand for your drink. <laughs> you can't just, you can't one arm the push card the whole time. No, 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 that's fair. I totally get it. They got to get the beer cup holder on there. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the eight uh, teams that we've talked about for a few months are officially in, in the East. And now it's just uh seating races uh, in the West. It's really down to uh, LA, Dallas, Nashville, and, uh, and Vegas. And, and obviously Vegas right now is on the outside looking in They're three points back of LA with a game in hand. They're four back of Nashville. Each have six games remaining and they're four back of Dallas who has seven games remaining so i look like realistically vegas's chance here frank is probably to to catch the uh, the la kings because nashville has more regulation wins than them and you know la doesn't play a playoff team down the stretch and you know vegas just got shut out by the orders on on saturday it's you know they got mark stone back i just want to say i watch that game mark stone is playing but it's like mark stone is clearly not close to hundred percent. Like I, I barely noticed him in that game. So was it, I guess it's, you always want to get that guy back when you can, but was it worth the finagling they had to do to get him in there? Fair question, right? Fair question. Like I understand he's an emotional leader for that team and you know what? Uh, they, they had been playing well up until the loss to Edmonton. So um, if, if, if he's bringing you emotional leadership, then, you know, I guess we'd have to put the value on it, but clearly he's just not the the player that they, that they hope he can be. Now, maybe he's just, you know, he, it's, it's only a few games and, and like a lot of guys coming out of uh, injuries, they're playing catch up at this time of the year. It's hard to do. But, you know, that, that to me was the interesting part watching that game where Mark Stone in, in there's a lot of games where Mark Stone won't get a point, but mm-hmm. he's highly involved in the game. Right. That just wasn't the case on Saturday. So does Vegas get in? I don't think they do. I think L.A. schedule is too easy. 
for them. And, and LA has played really well. Um, you know, out, like sure they got spanked to Colorado, but to me, that was like one of those guaranteed loss nights. You play the night before now you're going back to back against the league's best team. Yeah, no chance. Now, sure, I know they got absolutely demolished, but um, I, I think that uh, I think LA will squeak in. So I'm looking at Vegas' schedule, though. It's not unbelievably hard. Like they're all winnable games. Yeah, but they got five teams. They like they play St. Louis, who's rolling. They've been a buzzsaw, but they so they've got New Jersey on Monday, the yeah. Caps on Wednesday, and the Sharks on Sunday, all at home. Then they go to Dallas, which is still winnable. San Jose and New Jersey are the Caps have a lot to play for all of a sudden, and you've you've still got San Jose, Chicago, and New Jersey before getting to St. Louis. Like those are all. St. Louis is the last game. They're all winnable. Yeah. Oh no, they well the like definitely they can beat New Jersey and San Jose hasn't won a game in April. They keep losing in overtime, and uh, and Jersey's just not that good. Same with San Jose, but the Dallas game like Dallas, Washington, and St. Louis. There's half their games right. Like those are two playoff teams, and you're right, Washington. We'll get to that in a sec. Like they Washington suddenly has lots to play for. The Blues are in a battle with Minnesota now. It might be determined by the last game of the season, but you compare that to LA schedule. LA doesn't play a playoff team, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's the difference. Um, I don't know. I'm not ready to say one way or the other. I, I've thought the math has been stacked against them to make up that ground, and it still is. But would I be surprised to see them win five out of their last six? I wouldn't. Hmm. Yeah, well, it, I think they have to go at least because they own the tiebreaker. So uh, if L.A. goes three and two, Vegas has to go four, one and one. And then they would. They, they could would, easily do that. They could, but like, hey, the Washington Capitals, Frank. Suddenly, like the uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and and I use in the last thirty plus games, Pittsburgh is like nineteenth in the National Hockey League. They they have been uh, kind of free falling right now, and suddenly Washington's three back with two games in hand uh, for an opportunity to to move up and then face either uh, Carolina or the Rangers rather than face the Florida Panthers. And by the way, the Rangers have been really good and the Hurricanes have sort of had their worst stretch of the season. Mm -hmm. You know, that team was cruising along at like 715, 720 points percentage the whole time. They're now down in the 690s. It's, uh, man, just you always wonder, and and Scott Burnside wrote a story about this on dailyfaceoff.com last week. Does it matter? how well or, or not your team is playing when you hit the playoffs. I think we all sort of look and think of it like, oh, that's a team that got hot at the right time and they went on a roll. Think of the St. Louis Blues or think of some of the teams over the last number of years that have gone on deep runs that may have been a little bit surprising. A lot of it you think is because they've played really well down the stretch. His, his piece was basically saying, doesn't mean as much as you think. No, I, I think it, it's dependent on certain players, right? Obviously, your goaltender. If your goaltender's, you know, g- feeling good about their game coming in. But, yeah, the, the playoffs are a completely different script. Um, it's it suddenly you go from, Frank, game planning every second day to a different team to now suddenly you focus on one team for two weeks. And, and I really think, like, you go back to some years 
where you need some breaks, no question. Like the Edmonton orders in 2006, right? What were uh-huh. they, 30 some points behind uh, Detroit? The difference was Dwayne Rolson stood on his head and Manny Legacy was average uh-huh. in that series. So, you know, you look at some teams like Tristan Jari's potential injury here for Pittsburgh. Now, now I know if, if you look at their at their numbers, him and Casey DeSmith, um, since January, it's not a huge difference, but Tristan Jari has been really good for the, uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And now he's out. Right. And so I just, you can look at, and it's hard to put a, to pinpoint the mental part of the game for some players where all of a sudden your starting goalie isn't in right now. You always want to believe that you have the same faith in your backup, but We'll find out with the Penguins here. I think the Penguins, especially if they get caught by Washington, like to me, Colorado and Florida in the first round, those are the, I know that Tampa lost in 2019. I think that's an, a, a big surprise. I think Colorado and Florida, regardless of who they face in the first round, they're going to crush them. Hmm. So Tristan Jari, broken bone in his foot, week to week. That sounds ominous. Week to week when the playoffs start in two weeks is no bueno. No, no. Now, it's as we all know, there's tons of bones in your foot. So which one is it? Is it a pressure bearing bone? Yeah, that's obviously a bearing bone or not. Right. Right. That's going to be the massive, uh, you know, the, the game changer for them. But it's like they, awesome got no, they got no shot. They got, and I don't mean to slag Casey to Smith. They got no shot. If, Against if, Florida if Jari, or, the, or the Rangers or, yeah, or Carolina, because that's who they play. Doesn't yeah. I don't care who they play. They're any team in the East. They're losing if Casey DeSmith is in that. Yeah, no, that's fair. You look I at just think um, the other teams in the East are too strong. Well, I would agree. Like they're and, and that leads to the question. People are like, well, the West is way weaker. See, I think the East has a much bigger separation. The East has a lot of bad teams, and they have some good teams, right? Um, you know, so I, I'm, I'm kind of curious about like how good are some of those teams in the East? And I, cause I'm looking it up, compiling like how are they against the other good playoff teams? Right. That, that to me is the big one. Like if you're, as you should, if you're taking advantage of all like, you know, Buffalo's and Detroit's and Columbus and Ottawa, and New Jersey and Philly and Montreal, you know, still you, some you, really bad teams in the West, Arizona, Seattle, go down the list. Anaheim's been putrid since. Basically February first. Yeah, Chicago's bad. San Jose's bad. Like there's still really bad teams in the West. Yeah, but I just look at the separation. It'll be funny to see how the playoffs go. But I'm gonna look at teams' records against other playoff teams, and and then you'll get a bitter, a little bit better of a an assessment of where they're at. I think some teams. There's nothing wrong with hey, you beat the teams you're supposed to beat, but um, there, there is a gap this year, just like there was last year, Frank. If I know it was four different divisions. But if you look at last year's races, there really wasn't many. Right. right? Like they're, they're, I'm wondering if we're starting to see more of the haves and the have nots. Like in Major League Baseball every year, you've got 10 teams, Frank, that you know have no chance. Right. And two years in a row now, we're starting to see that in the National Hockey League. I've, I've been saying it. I think it's time for an overhaul of the point system. For so long, the races were so close that it was this parity driven league. And it's just it's not anymore. So scrap the system that clearly doesn't work. Go to three, two, one, zero. Wouldn't that just create a bigger gap though? Yeah, it would, but it, at least you'd have a clear delineation in terms of who the actual good teams are instead of the, you know, murky middle that just it helps no one. Yeah. yeah so by the way, we, we were talking um, about late season swoons. I just, I just looked up the numbers since March 1st. 
teams that are 18th, 19th, 20th, and 21st in the league. Vegas Golden Knights, Carolina Hurricanes, Tampa Bay Lightning, and Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. Well, Vegas, you know, injuries for sure playing a part, but Tampa and Carolina are the two teams that, you know, I know and I understand it because I'm one of them that's like, yeah, but it's Tampa. They've won two in a row. They get the benefit of the doubt for me because I think they can suddenly kind of have that playoff mentality. Carolina, that'll be interesting if all of a sudden Carolina faces, let's say, let's say the Rangers catch them and now they got to face Washington if they catch Pittsburgh because Carolina, if they get to face Pittsburgh in the first round, well, that's an advantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big believer in the caps myself, so I don't know that it really makes that big of a difference. But the key would be if you're if you're one of those teams, um, if, if Washington can catch Pittsburgh, the key is for one of those teams to avoid Florida, right? Yes. 100%. 100%. Who are the top five teams since March 1st? Uh, the top five teams since March 1st would be Florida. Of By far and away, 886. The next closest team is 773. So more than 100 points. Florida, Colorado, Washington, Minnesota, and the New York Rangers. The Oilers are tied with the, with the Rangers, so they'd, they'd be included in that, okay. that top five. So the, see the Capitals, I, I felt the Caps have found their game here. And I just, I look at a team that's built for the playoffs, man. Like goaltending to me is the only kind of question mark, but they're a big, heavy team. They just seem like a team that they built for the playoffs. Yeah, get- I, I, I get that. I get why you'd say it. Um, they've just been really inconsistent. Not fair. They were great from the start of the season until U.S. Thanksgiving. Then from U.S. Thanksgiving until basically March 1st, they were awful. They were like 20-something in the league in points percentage, and now they're in the top five again. That's mercurial. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I'm, I kind of teams, the- what team shows up in the playoffs? If you're getting yeah. the team that's, that was in the top five for two different stretches, well, then it's a pretty good team. Yeah. Now, like, I, I don't know about you, Frank, but here it is. It's maybe it's because I'm used to April playoffs already starting. I've just I've got like a playoff itch. I'm like, let's get going here. The, you know, the I'm East. T- playoff- I'm tired of I feel oh. like all we've talked about the last six shows are the races. Like w- we need something else. Well, you missed Friday something. show, buddy. That's why you missed the, the KHL bomb that yeah, we had well, with that's... uh with uh, Mr. Rantanen, which was uh, very intriguing talking about the KHL and Russia and Finland. And obviously getting a sense of someone right on the borders of a a country at war. It's obviously it's a very different uh, mindset on where they're at. You know, the the rep, you know, the oligarchs and, you know, what Mm -hmm. they've got and and how Joker, it was kind of the prize franchise of Finland for a long time. And they're literally starting from scratch now and really don't have an owner with finances just yet. So that was kind of fascinating, but yeah, I'm with you. It's definitely, it's drug out. Uh, It would be nice. Heck, uh, the good news is we're, we're going to some, like the frozen four is done college hockey playoffs and uh major junior hockey playoffs haven't even begun yet in, in Canada, the U S because everything was delayed due to COVID and they're mm-hmm. finally going to get going this week. And meanwhile, finally. the NBA has already played their game ones. Oh yeah. It's so, usually the other way around. Yes. It's usually the other way around. So it's definitely, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure other hockey fans are feeling a little bit odd. You're just kind of waiting for everything to get rolling here. And I think once it does, it's uh, going to be fascinating. And the other thing, Frank, is the NFL for years has, you know, they call it Black Monday, where there's lots of coaches that, that get fired. The NHL season, regular season ends in what? Uh, 
what is that, 12 days on the 29th. You've got some teams. We talked about some obvious teams at the top. There's some obvious teams at the bottom. When, and I know that, you, you know, you're gonna, we're going to dig into it a little bit more in the coming weeks. But you look at how many of those teams out of the playoffs are going to make coaching changes. Right. Like there's there's going to be at least, I would think, three or four, because there's a few interim coaches. Right. There's you know, you got Lowry. Um, you look at Derek King. You look at Mike Yo. All gone. Are, all gone. So the, to me, the, the interesting one when, when I look at it is um, like if Vegas misses like Vegas has Kelly McCrimmon has had no worry about making significant changes. I wonder about Pete DeBoer if they miss the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I think it's a possibility. I also think Kelly McCrimmon is on the hot seat if they miss the playoffs. Not saying he's he's going to get fired, but think about the changes that were made. Yes, injuries were part of it, but when you have a stretch of time where your goaltending was an issue because one player gets hurt and you traded the reigning Vezina Trophy winner, well, that for nothing like that hurts. Oh yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a large decision-making process that you can work your way through and you can argue it both ways. You know, I could see the argument and the path that, that Kelly McCrimmon navigated, but I can also see it and argue against it. Yeah. That they open themselves up to be in this exact spot that they put a lot of their eggs in, in a couple baskets. Oh yeah. Good Easter reference. Yeah. Their cat, their cat management for sure. Right. Cause that's obviously one of the main reasons that that trade was done was to, to free up cap space. And the interesting one to me is reading the stories out of Vancouver and Bruce Boudreau and what they like to me, getting rid of Bruce Boudreau at the end of the season would seem odd. Would it not? I, I think it was a lot to do of nothing, which probably doesn't shock anyone listening in Vancouver. Um, I think people read into an appearance that their GM and Patrick Alvain made on a Vancouver radio station saying, essentially, we'll evaluate things at the end of the season. And I think people read that negatively. And then he came back a week or two later and basically clarified and said, Bruce has done a fantastic job. Yeah. Like, why would you get it's rid of It's a club him? option. So I believe. I don't know why... I can't imagine that they would want to make a coaching change. No. Like there's no, no guarantee that the person you bring in is, is better. Yes. Well, here, here, this is, let me back that up. If you, let's say you were to make a coaching change and you fire a guy that's been incredibly popular in their market. I mean, watch the games over the weekend again, still chanting Bruce. There it is. Like, I don't know if you saw the video of the guy who threw the hot dog at Phil Kessel. Did you see that? <laughs> yes. Uh, so as he sits back down in his seat, he's just, you know, singing Bruce. There it is. Like when's the last time you saw any coach at any market get cheered like that? Yeah, that's a fair point. I can't really that. think of a market that's actually loved their coach. Maybe Joel Quenville in Chicago. He was incredibly popular. Who like who else is really popular where they were? John Cooper in Tampa. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but they're not chanting his name in the state. No, no, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. So I don't know. I, yeah. so I look at the rest of the group and I say, okay, so you're going to get rid of this guy. If things blow up, like 
how do you live that down? Uh, and I'm the other thing when when we go to the coaching changes, Frank, I'm really curious to see if if there there's going to be teams that are going to go with, you know, the the retreads or if they're going to look for younger guys, like you look at a guy like Jay Woodcroft and what he, now, obviously I know he, he has Connor McDavid. He has Leon Drysaddle. That's great. But he changed their, uh, their defensive system. It was also interesting listening to Mike Smith. I don't know if you heard Mike Smith's post-game comments talking about how he's seen the evolution of Connor McDavid's overall play. And um, you know, a lot of that's on the player themselves, you know, a coach can help, but it's up to the player to ultimately decide to do everything on the ice. Mm-hmm. But you know, you look at Jay Woodcroft. Now he was a unique, case because he was an assistant coach for a long time then he said hey i want to be a head coach so i'm going to go take a step back go to the ahl and uh, as as he says he uses the ahl as like a petri dish you can try different things as a coach you're not under the glare of the nhl right like there's not as much pressure to have to win every night you're there to develop you can try different things and uh, like i wonder if teams are going to look and say, yeah, you know what we could bring back Vino- uh, you know Alain Vigneault and other guys like that who've been around a long time or we could go with some younger ones. And I'm always curious about that because there's no guarantee the young guys work either. So I understand that, but you know, you, you got to do your due diligence on coaches. And I think, you know, I still hear stories of coaches that just aren't communicating with their players. And I just, how that's, that just doesn't work, you know, in 2022, it just doesn't work. Like I just mentioned, John Cooper, you know, you talk to players who coach. his communications is really the thing that they rave about. Obviously he's a smart tactician, right. but it's Elaine Vino is a great example. Like he's, I'd be surprised if he gets back in. Yeah. Just cause he's communications, not as exactly. That was the big knock was like, this guy is a, he, he he's, he's a CEO. He doesn't want to interact. He's above it. He's above the fray. That was the big knock on him from the guys in Philly. Yeah. I think there's some guys that will get back in. Uh, I think Travis green will, will land a job somewhere this summer. Um, I think if he wants to work, Paul Maurice will get a job. Oh yes. Yes. Um, you know, I think the guy that's flipped everything on its head in terms of thinking about coaches is not Jay Woodcroft. It's Marty St. Louis. The, the relative or quote lack of experience People saw that as a big question mark. Well, this guy is a Hall of Fame player, has spent a long time in the NHL, and I think he just has, I think the difference with Marty St. Louis is is his charismatic personality. He's got this confidence in himself, and I think when you're addressing players or you're talking to players or in conversation with players, it's that conviction that makes such a big difference. And I think if I, if I was a general manager and I'd be, you know, looking at a coaching change and and who might I bring in, does Marty St. Louis open up the door for you to think a little bit more outside the box? Is there someone else out there that you believe can be a big enough difference maker? And that's not to say that every hall of fame player can step behind the bench and find success, not close, but this was a curated you want to talk about Petri dish these last, you know, whatever, 30, 40 games in Montreal, they had nothing to play for. So why not give them an opportunity and see if it works? But that's the one that I think would cause everyone to stop and say, wait a second, this, maybe we can do something different. Maybe we don't have to have someone that has experience. 
Yeah, well, you know, and you look at their record with St. Louis, they've won 12 of 31 games. They're uh, they're still 23rd in, in points percentage uh, since he took over. And, and all the teams below him are all other teams outside of the playoffs, of course, which doesn't surprise me. Um, and, and I think it illustrates it doesn't matter how good of a coach you can be. If you don't have the horses, it's just hard to run. And so if you compare St. Louis to his his other, the only guy you can compare him to is course in Montreal. And they had won eight games right prior to that. So obviously he's been infinitely better, right? He's yeah, got eight some, games in 45. Yes, exactly. So they've been infinitely better. No question. Right. And, um, you know, and there's a guy people said wasn't a good communicator, which I, I think what Marty's biggest skill set, Frank, is I think you can, you know, the, there's only so many systems to play in hockey. Like, let's be real here at the end of the day. And so you, you try to get your players comfortable and then you have to be able to communicate with them for them to buy in to what you're selling. Right. And, and I think St. Louis has done a better job of that. So, you know, you're right. It's not just the record. It's like, it's what you've seen from Cole Caulfield. It's, and if you're in Vancouver with Bruce Boudreaux, it's what you've seen from your difference makers and your stars as they've gotten better down the stretch. That's, that's, that's the key is like, how are you able to, you know, energize your engine, which in both those markets, it was lights out. It was no fun. No, you know, it was ridiculous to see how down the Vancouver Canucks were before Bruce Boudreaux took over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, there's no question about it, that it wasn't, uh, it wasn't ideal, which, which is interesting, Frank, you say that, but you also believe, so if why were they so down when Travis green was there, but you also feel that green's a guy who's a good coach will get a second opportunity. So what wasn't, what wasn't matching? Well, I'm not there. I don't know. All I can do is, you know, the numbers I think speak for themselves. I think they were also in a spot where I think as a coach, you coach differently depending on the position you're in, in terms of, you know, Bruce Boudreaux is coming in and he's, you know, if he, if they're in the playoff conversation, it's a win. Yeah. The heat is off. Travis Green's coaching for his life. He's coaching for his job. Yeah, that's well, that's a that's a big big difference. There was a lot there was a lot riding on the line for the entire Canucks organization, obviously, to start the year. Yeah, like to me, Bruce Boudreaux, and I said it the day he got hired, the biggest advantage he had coming in was that his best players weren't very good, and you know, so now maybe Elias Patterson struggles were because of Travis Green. Who knows? But if you look at the best, I think the players, jury's still out on him. Yeah, like the best players in Vancouver in how they were performing pre Boudreaux and then post. So was it all Bruce Boudreaux? Did he just click, or did the players at some point you have to look? Because I don't care who you are. Every coach I've ever talked to, you're only as good as your best players play, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Ken Hitchcock always had the philosophy: you got to get your five leaders, and they have to be on the same page as you. And if they are, that'll filter down to the rest of the team. Because if, if no offense, if the third a third line winger doesn't like you. That's not impacting your game. But if your top line center and your top defenseman aren't on the same page as you as a coach, your chances of success are much lower. But I'm curious about Vancouver because, you know, Elias Pedersen to me, there was a few years ago and, and I chuckled at it. People were writing Vancouver. Oh, Pedersen's as good as McDavid because of his defensive game. And I was like, you're on, you're overrating the numbers that your stat sheet's telling you. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And Elias Pedersen, there's a guy who I look at. He's got to get stronger in the offseason. And they got to find out exactly if he can be consistent because this isn't just a 20 game run here. This has been, this has been two seasons where he has not been the player. I think they hoped he'd be in Vancouver. Yeah, but he's, 
he's turned it on in a big way the last few weeks. Like you're seeing now why the hype is there. Like sure. it's, it's, he's, he's uncovering a bit of it again. Right. Is, but that's my point. Consistency, Frank, right? Like if, if you're what that's, and it's the hardest thing to do in the NHL, but if you're going to be a big time productive player and you're paid much consistency is what separates guys at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's the players who can find that consistency. No one's perfect every game. Of course not, but they might have a bad two periods and then boom, they make a big play in the third. It's a key goal away they go. And when you look at Pedersen, yeah, he's down the stretch. He's been good. I would agree wholeheartedly, but they're not paying him to be good for 10 or 15 games. No, no, they're not. But I, I don't, I think the jury's out on him. I, I said it and I, you know, Let's see what he looks like at the start of next season. Okay. I think there's something about that market. I really do. Like, look at the Sedins and their careers. Well, they're pretty good. Like, that took them a no, few they, years they to get pretty awful the first five years of their career. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think they're awful. A, they were yeah. very, they were disappointing. I should walk that back. They were disappointing compared to the hype. Yeah. So, but so that's where we get to. The hype can be very misleading. I see it all the time. I see it in every market on a top five pick. They're just like, oh, here comes the savior. There's very, like, not all top five picks are created equal, right? Like, people were, were down on Lafreniere, and I'm like, he's not even, like, when you're a teenager in the NHL, I, I, I almost disregard your statistics because there's very few teenagers who even perform well. Look at Leon Drysaddle. Leon Drysaddle is a Hart Trophy winner. He's, you know, he's one of only 24 players now in NHL history to have 50 goals and 100 points in two seasons. Yet he couldn't play in the NHL at 19. He had to go back to junior. He wasn't ready. And there's nothing wrong with that. He, he should be the poster boy for every other organization that wants to rush a teenager and say, hmm, they're not strong enough physically yet. Mm-hmm. Right. So they need to work on different things. And that's not a knock. So I, I think that you're right about the hype, but sometimes the Sanines didn't come in until they were 20. Yeah. And then it's, it's but still, you look at Europeans for they had their first four seasons. And I'm just looking at Hendrick's numbers. Yeah. 40 half points. A po- half a point per game. Yeah. But they were also on the second line, second power play unit. Right. Because they had. And then the, they went on a seven year run yeah. where they were way over a point per game and the best, probably the most consistent dominant force in the league over that stretch. Yeah. Prime example of 24, right? Lots of players don't get comfortable until they're a few years in the league. It's not just defensemen, right? I, and learning to score is in the NHL is one of the hardest things to do. I just think what I'm saying is I think there's something to be said for a player finding their footing in that market. Okay. Yeah. You could be Especially right. a speed that I don't know. No. Well, historically, a lot of them, you know, you're coming over from Europe. It's a completely different game on a different ice surface. Not as much anymore, but because they're getting to NHL size rinks more over there. But it's a vastly different um, type. And you look a lot of them, 23, 24. That's when they start to to figure it out. And so Elias Pettersson, maybe that's maybe it's him. But whoever that like Bruce Boudreaux, he'll be the first guy to tell you if Elias Pettersson's close to a point of game player. Well, then their chances of winning are increased significantly. Right. Um, when he's not, they're not going anywhere. There's I don't know. I don't know a team in the league. Well, I guess maybe Tampa, that when you lose one of your top guys, you don't it doesn't impact you. Right. Right. So. So Elias Patterson. Real deal or not? Well, the, the, the can Elias Patterson be an 80 point player? Yes. 
right? Right now. Could he could he be a 100-point guy? That's hard to say. He, he's going to have to take a step. I mean, statistically, the, he's more or less already been an 80-point player. Now, to me, you're not an 80-point player until you're an 80-point player. Six, so. I mean, sh- two shortened seasons, 66 and 68. Like he, He's basically a point-per-game guy. True, but the other the reason to be an eighty point player, Frank, is you got to play, right? And and injuries have that's part of it, right? You know, like when people always want to points per no, game, they were and, a lot of them were co- like um, they were COVID. Yeah. So I uh, we'll we'll see. I, I I could say maybe he's an eighty point guy, but to be like a hundred point guy, like look at Johnny Gaudreau. Johnny Gaudreau's had an unreal career. This is his first time as a hundred point guy. I think people, they just assume that the net, like the next step for Pedersen's to be a hundred point guy. The next step for Elias Pedersen is to be an 80 point guy, three, four years in a row. That's hard to do. That's fair. Does he have it in him though? That's what I'm asking. If he can stay healthy, I think he does. I agree. Yeah. Like to be an 80 point guy, but the, the Vancouver's needs to dial back the ridiculous comparisons to Connor McDavid. It was unfair for Elias Pedersen. It might've been what some of the dumbest things I read. No offense. So, okay. You're going to call me crazy and let's go down this rabbit hole for one second. If you're sitting in the Vancouver front office this summer and you're thinking, how do we reshape and remake our team? Are you, are you at least engaging in the theoretical discussion of potentially trading Elias Pedersen? Oh no, not, not me. No, I am. Like, do you at least internally have to have the, the, the chat, like, should we consider this? Cause there might be some team out there that knocks your socks off. Yeah. We, we hear that all the time about the knocking their socks off. When, when was there like a really talented player who got traded for way more? Usually the return isn't good enough and you end up being pissed off and, and your, and your fan base is like, what the hell do we make that trade for? Right? Like I'm trying to think a time where, Oh, this team, like, I guess you go Eric Lindros. Right. Would that be the one time where you trade an elite star player and got back enough that uh, that made it worthwhile for you? Hard to do. Yeah. So I just think that I think. It'd be an interesting debate to have. hmm, Like if you're not convinced that he's the real deal. Then this is the exact time to do it. Yeah. Well, I think he's an 80 point guy. I like that's pretty good, right? Like that's really good. And, uh, and I think maybe, you know what, if, if, if you become an 80 point guy a few years, then you can become a 90 point player, but you got to be an 80 point guy regularly. Usually like look at Johnny Gaudreau. He was what? 84, 82. He, he had, had a 99, 99 point scenes, yeah. right? So he, he was, he was showing you that a hundred points was, was very possible. Look at Jonathan Huberto. Like he scored 90 a few times, right? Like now he's up to over a hundred, right? It's, it's rare to just see a guy come out of nowhere from 70 points and bust up to a hundred. Like it's that's extra 30 points, man. Like there's guys in the league who don't score 30 in a year. So an extra 30 is tough, but I would, the reason I won't, I wouldn't contemplate him. Frank is he's a centerman. He's pretty responsible defensively. He's not as elite as some in Vancouver were claiming defensively, but he has a conscious defensively for sure. And, you know, he's got that great release. I I think he's got the potential to me. I would just like to see him get a little bit stronger. I I think strength for him. Well, he's, he's, he's a pretty slight guy and, you know, a few extra pounds, but more so just strength added strength will help him. Uh, Yeah. I want to just clarify my comments just in case anyone from Vancouver wants to clip that and tweet it. (laughs) which probably will happen. I'm not advocating. I'm just saying if you are sitting in that front office and you are not a believer, I am a believer. Like I think he's good and I think he's legit and I think he can get to that next level. 
I think he needs some help and he'll get there. I think the drive is there. Um, but if not, that's all I'm saying. If you are not a believer, you probably need to engage in the conversation now. Like the big question in Vancouver is like, you look at JT Miller seems to be the heartbeat of that team. Mm-hmm. And like, look at the season he's having. He's having an unreal year. I know he's got a year left on his deal. Do you look to re-sign him? Like, I, I never really understood the talk about trading him this year, but I can see it in next February. If, if it's going to be uh, fascinating. Yeah, that's the one to me that's more of a discussion. It's going to on- be very expensive. Oh, very expensive and more to the point. Does he want to stay? Yeah, fair. I don't know that. I that's have no intel question. on that. I've never looked into it. So that would be the one. But there's just something about how he plays, Frank. I like it. Yeah. Let's uh, bring in Tyler Uremchuk. For a rip-roaring edition of Fill in the Blanks. Yes, as always, Fill in the Blank, you guys, is brought to you by our friends over at DoorDash. 25% off and no delivery fees in your first order with the promo code RUNDOWNDD. And uh, let's I got some questions about point scores this year. So let's start with this. Uh, your first question is going to be, we will finish the season with blank 100-point scores. And the guys were already there. McDavid, Huberto, Dreisaitl, Goudreau, and Matthews. Then just to give you guys some background info, Kachuk is at 96, Marner 94, Kaprizov 93, Rantanen and Miller at 91, and Artemi Panarin is the 11th player to be at the 90-point mark this year. So we will finish the year with blank 100-point scores. Gregor? Well, uh, I think Kachuk's going to get there now. He had the big game against Arizona. So six, I will say eight, eight. All right. I'm going to say 11. You're going to say, I think Panarin gets it. You think all those guys, No, I'm going to say 12 actually. Really? Who's the 12th? I'm interested. Roman Yossi. Ah, you're a big believer in Yossi. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think he's going to get there. So I've got Yossi, Panarin, Miller, Rantanen, Kaprizov, and Marner, and, and Kachuk. I like that. So then let me lead you into question number two. The most surprising player to hit the mark will be blank, as in you wouldn't have believed it at the start of the season. Probably JT Miller. Like, I, I think a lot of people thought JT Miller was a good player, but Jay, he's, he did this year exactly what you just talked about. He went from 72 as his previous high to 100 or close to it. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't have 12 like Frank. So I guess to me, my surprise would, I guess it would be Kirill Kaprizov to, you know, second year in the league. Um, You know, you look at it like Edmonton has two, Calgary has two, Toronto has two guys, you know, and then there's, there's Kirill Kaprizov and he's out there just, you know, by himself, you know, vastly ahead of the other guys in his team. To me, that's impressive. So if, if Kirill, who I think is going to get there, gets there, he'd be the surprise at a hundred points. Cause it's hard to do. And it's harder to do without a running mate. Yeah. That's fair as well. Uh, the top of the race. He's, Mc- hey, he's right in your window, by the way, you said 24, like that's him. Yeah. Hey. He's older. Yep. It's a great point. Uh, top of the race. Connor McDavid is at 110. Jonathan Huberto at 108. The question, Jonathan Huberto has a blank percent chance of catching Connor McDavid for the Art Ross. Jason? Hmm. Well, he has a game in hand, so that will help him. Um, 
Florida, they're edging where they have nothing to play for, but he'll have that race. McDavid's a highly competitive player. So I'm going to say 3% chance. Ooh, low. Three? Yeah. All he would need is like three points. I, ha, uh, yeah. McDavid. I'm going to say like 30 or I was going to say like 35. Okay. But McDavid because just is, look at the way Florida has been beating up on teams. Yep. Like if you, if you take a look at the Panthers and the goals that they've been scoring, like to think that Huberto has another five point night somewhere, it's not out of the question. No, that's very fair. Could but Florida I just, start I just, resting guys. Yeah. Well, that's the one thing. And look and, at the teams they're playing down the stretch. Islanders, Red Wings, <laughs> Sens, Canadians. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. I didn't look at theirs. Yeah. Well, the orders Yikes. have Columbus, San Jose, Vancouver, but yeah, they do have Colorado game. That's the tough one. Oh, but I, would you even I risk think it's playing so Huberto those the, last two? What are the two? odds, by the way? What are the odds to win the to win the Art Ross? Like, what kind of money could we get on Huberto? I, I, I'm quickly trying to pull them up here, but um, probably better than 3%. Well, yeah, <laughs> you, you might've nailed it. I'm not going to be able to pull these up in time, but it'd be interesting. Yeah. I just, I, I, I'm a, as much as McDavid is a special player. And I think mm-hmm. Jay, you hit it on the head saying that he is an ultra competitive player and will want to win it. Yes. At some point you just run out of runway too. No, that's fair. Yeah. Well, you you look at McDavid and, um, you know, the orders have won their last few games, right? Two, four, nothing shutouts. And, you know, McDavid by his standards, his last three games have, you know, point totals, you know, just over above a point a game. He's just due for another one. You talk about Huberto being due and he could easily do it. I think so is McDavid. And I, and uh, I I think that because the, the heart trophy is so wide open, and I, I still don't know if there's a, a, a obvious favorite. I think there's a few favorites, but the the one thing that is out of you know anybody else's control is the Art Ross, and so that's something you control as a player 100. percent That's why I, I would go with it. I'm um, seeing it as almost a dead heat. It's like it, at least odds wise, mm-hmm, I'm yeah. seeing Huberto as even money. But keep in mind, guys, he's technically oh, wow. three point. He's technically three points behind him, right? As Not the tiebreaker because of the tiebreaker. Remember Gretzky lost it to Marcel Dion on goals. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've got Huberto here at plus plus one forty, which means it's implied odds of about 41 and a half percent. So it, it is close. Um, the next one I got for you, Kevin Fiala. I mean, he's not going to be a hundred point guy, obviously, but he's got 73 points in 75 games last year. He had 40 points in 50 games year before that 54 in 64 games. He has arbitration rights this summer. So put yourself in the shoes of the arbitrator. If you were the arbitrator in the Kevin Fiala case, his AAV next season would be blank. Jason. Oh man. Now, cause like I'm trying to think of arbitration on what's the largest, uh, um, arbitration case in, in the NHL that was, Oof. was it Shea Weber? I think it was right. Maybe not. Um, yeah, I think it was a one year, yeah, one yeah. year, 7 million, something, something like, like that. that. So whew. does he now, if you're Bill Guerin, do you, do you I don't think it even gets done. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what I was going to, I'll take the I don't, but I'm saying, I don't think he's there. I don't think he's coming back. You think they're going to have to move on from him because he's too expensive. Yes. 
So if you were the arbitrator, would the numbers start with an eight? Minnesota. Okay. Um, Well, then, so the other team who acquires him, obviously, you'd have to be like a sign and trade, right? Mm -hmm. You're not going to acquire his rights knowing he's got our rights for sure. So, but I'll I'll say to answer the question, I will say an arbitrator would look at him and like, I'll say he would come in at 7.9. I think he's getting big money, man. Yeah. I don't think it's that high. Low I don't seven? think his body of work speaks to it being that high. I know we've had some shortened seasons here, but mm. his previous career high to this year was 54. Yeah. But if you just look at points per game, right, which is probably what they're going to use as their evaluating tool, which I don't love it. I'm just, I think it's closer to seven. Seven. All right. Okay. And uh, we will wrap this up with the points bet bonus question, courtesy of our friends at points bet Canada. They are live in Ontario. Go download their app. It is absolutely fantastic. And I think they even got some fun bonuses in there for you as well. I asked you guys this question. I think it was like five weeks ago. So I'll be interesting to see if your answers have changed at all, but I'm looking at their odds at points bet to win each award. Matthews is a minus 400 favorite for the heart. That's a big favorite. Shesterkin minus 910 for the Vesna, huge favorite for the Calder Siders minus 225 for the Norris. Kale McCarr is minus 145. So the question is the award that will be the toughest to decide on is blank. And for the sake of this, let's say you're voting on all four of those Hart, Vesna, Norris, and Calder. The, the one that, that will be the most difficult to fill out your ballot for is blank, Jason. I think it's going to be the, well, the Norris at the top, I think it's, it's between Yossi and Makar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look, it's 88 points right now to 82 as we're, as we're recording this. Makar has more goals. You know, he's got a better goals uh, on ice for. If you look at his quality of competition, that's one where uh, he plays more for sure against uh, elite players playing, with, but he also has a better partner. Um, so I'll say the Norris followed closely by the heart. I, I don't like, I'd agree. I think Shesterkin's got the Vesna is a clear favorite. I'm not sure I have Matthews as that obvious of a favorite. Right I don't, now. I don't at all. I think the heart is maybe the hardest it's ever yes. been to just, to pick. Yeah. Oh, I so keep I'm looking gonna, at tons My of answer stats. is the heart. No. Yeah. And I was surprised to see Matthews up there at minus 400. I know the, the money that the public is wagering on it maybe might throw it off. And obviously the Leafs, Leafs get uh, strong support, but I was surprised. I think it's that more the just the, the bevy of articles that we saw saying like, has Austin Matthews locked up the heart? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can't tell you how many radio hits I've done. It's like, has Austin Matthews already won the heart? I'm like, not to my knowledge. Like, no. Talk to the voters. The vo- not voters. It's not even close. I don't like, yeah. I think it's extremely close. No, a hundred percent. Like what if Austin Matthews doesn't play the rest of the regular season? What if, what if Connor McDavid goes on a tear over the last seven games or six games? Yeah. It'll be Kaprizov gets to hundred points, man. You look at Minnesota, right? Pre- like Kaprizov's going to be in my top five somewhere. Roman Yossi. What if he gets the Franks hundred points? Man, heck, yep. if he gets the ninety-five points, like there's Johnny Gaudreau's. Johnny you know, Gaudreau's fit. on my ballot somewhere. Yeah, there's man. It's Jonathan Huberdo, right? Like, yep. what if Huberdo wins the scoring race? What if he passes McDavid? Like, of course, people are going to look. So that's why I don't. I don't think you can submit your votes till the end of the regular season. Like, how could you? This is the closest I've ever seen for a hard trophy with this many legit candidates, which is great. It's good to see. So uh, by the way, to answer, to, to follow up on the question, it is to me, it's the heart, but the most fascinating bet might be 
which one of those long odds comparatively heart guys would you put your money on? So I was just going to say, I'll give you guys the, the odds board here on points bet. Matthews minus 400 McDavid plus 400. Goudreau's at 16 to one. Huberto's at 18 to one. Shesterkin 22 to one. Dreisaitl 40 to one. And then you get a run of guys who are all 100 to one. And it's Kale McCarr, Alexander Barkov, Kirill Kaprizov, Alex Ovechkin, Chris Kreider, and Mitch Marner. So, so, so think about what we just talked about. So we just said that the implied odds for Huberto to win the scoring race are about 43%. Mm-hmm. Yet he's 18 to one. If he wins the scoring race, he has a shot to win the heart. I think. Oh, yeah. Did, did I miss it? Did you not even mention Johnny Gaudreau in those odds? Uh, he's 16 to one. I didn't. Oh, the only okay. name that wasn't on that list was actually Roman Yossi, Roman Yossi which I found interesting, but I'm going to yeah. see if I can find him somewhere else. Well, it's probably because they're not getting. I much see play. Yossi at 40 to one. Okay. okay. But I, I mean, McDavid at plus 400. That like, there's not a bad bet among those other guys. If you were, if you were sprinkling money around and by the way, I vote on the award and can't bet mm-hmm. Jay, you will as well. Yes. No, I don't. Yeah, no, I don't bet on that. Just want to make that clear for anyone listening. Yeah. Huberto and Gaudreau's odds would be, um, would be very good because you know what? They're both, they're, those guys are both in it. I think for sure. But it's, you know, I understand why Matthews is the favorite for some people because goals matter more. People look at goals. I totally understand it. But um, what if he, cause he, he sat out last game. They said it's very precautionary. But what if he misses five of the remaining six games? Right? Like, how does that impact voters? They'll be curious. Yeah. Should be good. And that's going to do it for another edition of Fill in the Blank, delivered by our friends over at DoorDash. It's fascinating stuff, Frankie. Uh, have yourself a great week. Uh, by Friday, who knows? Maybe the, the West playoff pitcher will, uh, Vegas, it's a huge, they got two games. Big before, week for uh, the Friday. Golden Knights. Yeah. Um, Edmonton could punch her ticket, the LA Kings. Uh, keep winning, then uh, there's nothing Vegas can do. So, uh, everybody, enjoy the final 12 games. I can't wait until the regular season begins because uh, enough's enough. And uh, hopefully, that also means that there's no more snow, Frank. It snowed again this weekend. In oh, Edmonton, no. So, Mother Nature, you know what? If I was Ryan Hartman right now, that's what I would give Mother Nature. Okay. So, enough. So many enough. awesome stories, by the way. Hartman with the, the, the Venmo account. That guy throwing the hot dog at Phil Kessel, like it's at least it's been entertaining the last couple of weeks. But but is the throwing I, like you're grown ass man throwing a hot dog? Eh, I'm not. I I'm just like that the entire story was fabricated to begin with. Yes, like, no, that's fair. He was. Yeah, he, he wasn't a guy that actually even went to the hot dog cart. No. Hey, yeah, uh, he's the he's the active Iron Man, Frank, and he's likely going to get to a thousand next year. Yeah, crazy. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.